welcome. We're glad to see you here today on this Lord's Day. Would you stand with me as we begin and call ourselves to worship? He is here. The Lord is here with us. Let's praise his name together and celebrate to him. He is here.
job. Thank you. Be seated, please. Sing this to him. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, all my soul rejoice and joy like
And this morning as we come to this time of prayer here at the altar, perhaps the Lord has laid an individual on your heart, a need on your heart. Uh, this morning you'd like to come and you'd just like to spend some time just you and Jesus. Or maybe you'd like to bring a family member or a close friend to pray with you this morning. But today, before we go any further in our worship time, we want to give you an opportunity uh, to lay whatever need it may be down at the foot of the altar and trust the Lord with it. And so today, with every head bowed and with all eyes closed, Know that the altar is open at this time. Feel free to come and let's spend some time in prayer. Lord, as we enter into this time of focusing our hearts on you, and lifting up the needs of our hearts to you. Lord, we recognize that there's no situation or circumstance that's bigger than who you are. And Lord, that in comparison to who you are as our Lord, they all pale in comparison. And so, Lord, I, I thank you for the opportunity that you give us at any time of the day to come to you and to lay our needs down. And Lord, I pray that we would do that. I pray that we would constantly surrender our needs to you, recognizing that, Lord, you will take them, you will meet every need, and Lord, that we will recognize you in a greater way from it, Lord. Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And all the promises, so we can't do that sitting down, can we? Let's stand up. Stand all the promises of God. Here we go. Standing on the promises of Christ's life.
for that special music, and what a great reminder. This morning, 
How many of you have had something stressful happen to you this week? Anybody? Anybody have something happen this week that might could distract you this morning? Right now, let's focus. Let's give the Lord our undivided attention today and allow him to teach us, allow him to encourage us, allow him to maybe correct us at some places as uh, we look at what is a, um, a, a troubling passage of Scripture, if, especially if you're lost, um, but what should be a convicting passage of Scripture for all of us who are saved. Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 31 uh, in sections together this morning. And I hope today that if you are lost, if you are here and you have not yet made that decision to accept Christ, that you would hear this for what it is. It's another message from the loving Lord saying, be ready. Be ready. I need, it. I need for you to have a relationship with me. I love you and I've, I've done everything necessary, but you need to be ready. And for those of us that are saved, it should convict our hearts all the more to go and to share the gospel. With that in mind, let's go to the Lord and pray together. Lord, we do thank you for the way that you continue to speak to us through, through worship, through song, Lord, that we're able to lift up our hearts and our voices to you. And Lord, we thank you for prayer. Lord, you give us access to your throne. Lord, that we can come boldly because we are your children. And Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, that you speak clearly to us. You give us warnings. You give us correction. You give us encouragement. And I pray that you would speak through your word clearly today and once again I pray that you would hide me behind the cross that only you and you would be seen and only you would be heard today Lord, in Jesus name we pray amen about a year ago um, we went in, in some quite some detail through the book of Revelation and during that study we saw the Lord lay out the details for the end times and we discussed at great length the rapture of his church, the man that will be known as the Antichrist, and much about the tribulation period of those who will be left on this earth who were not ready. And so this morning we're going to be focused on that tribulation period that the Bible calls the time of Jacob's trouble. That's what we see here being described in Matthew chapter 24. Now, the time of Jacob's trouble, that phrase is found in Jeremiah chapter 30 verses 6 to 7 and in those verses we see Jacob or the nation of Israel being portrayed as a man trying to give birth and the suffering and the great pain and the agony that that would bring about and the Bible tells us that there are no days to compare with those that Israel must endure during this time however verse 7 shows us that Israel will be saved out of those days and so as we did um, during our study of the book of Revelation, this morning we're going to be covering some, um, some very frightening material. However, we need to hear these things because there may be many here today who are not ready, who have not made that decision to accept Christ, and you need to hear that this morning. And again, for those of us who do have a, a relationship with Christ, it needs to stir our hearts that there are those who are not ready, and he has given us the task of going and telling them. And so these people... If Jesus were returned today, these people who are not ready, if he were to return in their lifetime, they will face many of the things that were being discussed here in these verses. And that should break the hearts of those of us who, who know them and love them. However, those of us who are saved, we won't have to be here for a minute of the tribulation. 
but we do need to be reminded. We need our hearts stirred about what the lost in this world are going to face. We need to realize the responsibility of reaching the world before the tribulation has been placed upon the shoulders of the church. And may the Lord use these truths to stir our hearts, the hearts of his children, to action. So with that in mind, if you will, please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word. And we're going to begin with the first 14 verses here in Matthew chapter 24. And Jesus went out and he departed from the temple and said to his disciples, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world? And Jesus answered and he said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. And all these are the beginnings of sorrows. Then shall thy deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. You may be seated. So the first thing that we see here in this passage is how tribulation commences or how tribulation begins. This passage is part of our Lord's Olivet Discourse. And this message came about as Jesus and his disciples are at the temple. And Jesus told his disciples that the temple would eventually be destroyed. That this grand building, this grand place would at some point be destroyed. And so this intrigued the men, and they wanted to know more details about the end times. And so Jesus tells them here that some of the events will transpire during the tribulation period. We know that many of these things had, had, had their, their first, uh, first coming in A.D. 70, but many of these things would transpire during the tribulation. And even though these words were spoken to the disciples, they're a message to the nation of Israel. And even those, these, although these words are not addressed directly to we the church, there are still lessons given here that we can learn from and grow from. The first half of the tribulation will be a time of spiritual deception. We see there in verses 5 and 11. It will be a time of spiritual deception. There will be a rise in the appearance of those who are claiming to be the way of salvation. In this time, there will be many false Christs, many false prophets during the tribulation. However, none have the power, none will have the fame that will be enjoyed by the Antichrist and by the false prophet. These two reprobates from hell will deceive the world into believing that they are literally gods. And they will demand and they will receive the worship of many men during that time. The tribulation will be a spiritual time, but it will be marked by great deception. 
one of the great tools that's used by the Antichrist to deceive the world will be his ushering in of a time of perceived peace in this world. We're already seeing those things being manifested in our time of those who would love to deceive, those who would love to claim to be Christ, those who would love to claim to be uh, a god. Remember the likes of David Koresh, remember people like Jim Jones, and people, many, many followed them, many would, would run after their claim of being Messiah, but we know that each and every time it ends in destruction, it ends in death. False prophets abound. However, these are just the tip of the iceberg because the crazy deceivers will crawl out of the woodwork we see here during the tribulation period. Jesus says there's going to be multitudes who are going to claim a false gospel. But also we see social devastation in verses 6 through 13. The tribulation period will be marked by an increase in the instability in society. Yes, it's going to get worse. And that's sometimes hard to imagine, isn't it? That things are going to get worse, but they will. In verses 6 through 7, we say this will be a time. It will be, this time will be marked by disruptions. There will be an increase in warfare and in the hostilities between different nations. And so the false peace instituted by Antichrist will not last and it will be replaced by devastating war and this is made clear in revelation 6 4 remember that red rider that red horse is war so there will be an increase in anti-semitism and the persecution that will be aimed at the jewish people we see in daniel 7 25 this is referred to as well again many of these things seem to be going on around us even this morning. For instance, the world's political scene, I don't know if you've noticed this, it's becoming more unstable every day. Have you noticed that? That if you turn on the news, that the political scene, not just in our own nation, but around the world, is becoming more unstable. Now we have small nations with an unprecedented ability to get a hold of nuclear weapons, even those with, with men who are unprincipled and many times unhinged, they have nuclear power now. And economic pressures are forcing countries to seek the resources that belong to neighboring nations for their very survival. So we see that happening right now with Russia attacking the Ukraine. World powers are, are ruled by crazy dictators, those with an eye on their own ambition rather than the good of their nation. The world is poised for war. There is a marked increase in the hatred towards the Jewish people today. We see that. There's a profound attitude of, of Israel's neighbors that they, they seek Israel's destruction. Israel's neighbors would love nothing more than the total destruction of the nation of Israel. They always have, they always will. However, when the actual tribulation comes to this world, there will be an astronomical increase in this activity. The things that are transpiring in our world today are only the first rumblings of what we see promised here is yet to come. But also we see this time will be marked by desperation. According to this verse, there will be a famine during the tribulation. This is made very clear in Revelation uh, 6, verses 5 through 6, which says, And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see. And I beheld, lo, a black horse, and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of, of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny. And see thou hurt not, 
the oil, and the wine. Now we talked about this at some length as well when we did our study of Revelation. But a careful look at these verses reveals that the black horse is speaking of death. That balance is referring to the rationing of food during this time. And when we think of a penny, we need to understand that a penny was a day's wage. And so a Roman penny would purchase eight measures of wheat or 24 measures of barley. And so in other words, the food supply will be one-eighth of what it was previously. Can you imagine? One-eighth. However, the writer is, is told not to hurt the oil and the wine. It seems that luxury items that the, only the rich can get their hands on will not be touched. But sadly, the average man, the common man, will not be able to buy these things. Therefore, he will starve. And again, we're already seeing these things taking place in some shape and form in our day. We're living in the most prosperous days the world has ever known, but we're also living in the most populated days that the world has ever known. And much of the land that was once used to grow food, we can look around and even see in our own communities, now that is being used and it's being transformed into places for people to live and work and play. And so our world faces a genuine food shortage. Think about the following. We've talked about this on uh, Global World Hunger Sundays. One person dies from starvation or one of its related diseases every three and a half seconds every day. So in the time it took me to tell you that, at least one person has, has died of starvation. Two-thirds of those who die are infants and children under the age of five years old. But during the tribulation, these things will grow worse and worse. And who in their right mind would want to be left on the earth for that period of time? You don't have to be. But if you don't have a relationship with Christ, you will be if it's during your lifetime. But also we see in verse 7, this time will be marked by disease. Verse 7 refers to pestilence. It tells us the tribulation period will be a time when diseases will run rampant. Again, this is referring to the book of Revelation, chapter 6, verse 8. This awful time it, it, we, will, will take place and 25% of the world's population will die during this period of time. At present, there are 7.75 billion people in the world. 7.5 billion. And every year, there are another 140 million births in the world. And so imagine a scene here where 2 billion people die during one tragic event. Imagine the disease that would, would come because of the lack of ability to properly bury all those who have died during World War II. One out of every 40 people died. During this period of time, 25%, that'll be one in every four. Can you imagine what that will be like? But this will also be a time that will be marked by disaster. Look at verse 7. Jesus says that there will be earthquakes and natural disasters during those early years of the tribulation. In the, fa in the past uh, 40 to 50 years, half century, uh, records show that we have exceeded the long-term average number of major earthquakes about a do dozen different times. In the years, with the, with the year it, itself with the largest total was 2010, with 23, 23 major earthquakes greater than a magnitude of 7.0 in one year. 23. Locally, we have experienced the devastation. Locally, we've experienced the devastation of a tornado right here in our own community, and we've seen the devastation in our own backyards, but also our neighbors to the east in eastern Kentucky have seen the devastation of, of 
torrential floodwaters. We have seen those things firsthand. These things, again, are just simply setting the stage for what's going to happen in the future. But also this will be marked by disobedience. We see in verses 10 and 12. These verses seem to indicate that the tribulation will be marked by a total disregard for the sanctity of life, property, or the rights of others. We see betrayal and we see hatred spoken of there in verse 10. These verses seem to indicate that men in that day will not respect one another. And, and certainly violent crime will increase. Many will die at the hands of their fellow man. And we see that happening, especially in our larger cities where it just seems like chaos is brewing all the more every day. And of course, the population of the world is already being trained to disregard life and the rights of fellow man. When abortion is celebrated and the right to take the unborn life is seen as a right, it, seen, it sends a message that life is without value. And when we see an increase in euthanasia and other forms of mercy killing becoming just a normal part of, of our world, and people are saying, well, that's what we should be doing. It's setting the stage for devaluing life. When the world accepts the foolish notion that man evolved from a lower life form, it just echoes that. But also we see in verse 12, wickedness and the love of sin. The tribulation will see, will see an increase in man's attraction to and indulgence in sin after the church is removed. I want you to think about that. After the rapture of the, of the church, of the Lord Jesus Christ, all restraint on society is going to be removed. No longer are you going to have anybody ministering. No longer are you going to have anybody praying with the Spirit of God living within them for society. So restraint will be removed. No longer will, will you have those people who, who care about the things of God in this world. And so the world will continue to slide into hell by following sin with all the power that it possesses. And again, we can already see these things taking place around us. A quick look at 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 5, proves this to be true. We live in a nation where 63% of the nation claims to be Christian. That's the last numbers. 63%. But how can that be? How can 63% of our population be Christian when 62% of Americans do not believe the Bible to be true? Or how can that be true when 75% of Americans do not believe there's really a devil that he's just been made up? Or how can that be when yearly, even now, we still have 930,000 unborn babies aborted in our country in the name of convenience? How can that be when the rate of premarital sexual activity is the same in the church as it's seen out in the world? How can that be? And so I could go on and on with these depressing stats and figures and all this mess, but the truth is, is evident that we're heading towards these days rapidly. Our world is racing full throttle straight into hell. And while it does so, it thinks that all is well and good. It thinks that it's doing all that is right. It has a form of godliness, but denies the power thereof. And this means people claim to be godly, but yet they refuse to repent of their sins and receive Jesus Christ into their heart. They refuse to allow the Lord God Almighty to be the Lord of their lives. Our world is already manifesting signs of the way things will be during the tribulation period, before the tribulation period. But things will be far, far worse during that time. There will also be special declaration we see there in verse 14. Special declaration. 
Thankfully, not all the events of the tribulation will be bad. During these years, God will raise up some men who are going to carry his gospel message to the farthest corners of the globe. This great mission will be accomplished by two separate groups of preachers, one greater in number than the other. First, Revelation 7, 1 through 8 tells us of the 144,000. God is going to raise up an army of Jewish preachers that will be sealed by him, protected by him, and sent into the world to tell the gospel message. The world system, the devil, even the Antichrist will be powerless to stop these men from their appointed task. And then we see in Revelation 11, 1 through 12, these two witnesses that are spoken of. These two mysterious preachers will stand at the wailing wall outside of the newly constructed third temple, and they will preach the word of God, and all attempts to stop them will fail until the Lord allows them finally to be slain. And after their murders, their bodies will lie in the streets there in Jerusalem for three days while the world celebrates their death. And then they will rise from the dead and ascend to heaven. Even in the midst of this dark hour that will come upon the earth, God will have his men And his men will still be proclaiming the truth to a world that desperately needs to hear it. Millions will be saved by the preaching during that period of time. But I want you to hear me this morning. If you're here this morning and you're hearing the message preached, if you're here this morning and you're a Gentile, meaning you're not a Jew, then this time is not the time for you. This time during the tribulation will not be the time for you because you've already heard. The time for you is today. The time for you to hear the gospel and to be saved is today. The time for you to have a preacher sent to you is today. That's why you're here. You're not here by accident. You're here by divine appointment. You're here because the Lord wants you to hear and to recognize that he loves you. And he wants a relationship with you. So where do you stand with God this morning? Look with me now at Matthew chapter 24. Let's look at verses 15 through 29. When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Jerusalem flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take their clothes. And woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall, be a, for there shall arise Christ's, and false prophets shall shew great signs and wonders, and so much that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For whosoever, for wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. 
And immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall not fall from the heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. So we see here how the tribulation continues. We see in verse 15 that these are treacherous days. The verse refers to the Antichrist breaking his covenant with the nation of Israel. This was prophesied by the prophet Daniel in Daniel 9.27 and will be fulfilled during the tribulation period of time. The Antichrist, his sins will amount to him entering the Holy of Holies in the newly constructed temple in Jerusalem. And he will declare himself to be God and he will demand that the world fall before him in worship. The Bible tells us that this will take place. What is the, the world's motivation to worship this man? Well, we see that Revelation gives us some insight. In chapter 13, the Antichrist will be assassinated. And then, before the wandering gaze of the world by satanic power, he will seemingly rise from the dead. And when that happens, the world will fall at his feet in worship. It is ironic that sinners who refuse to fall before Jesus Christ, the risen Savior and Lord, will now bow themselves before a risen devil. What's the reason? How can that be? Well, it's because one promises everlasting life and a home in heaven. The other promises prosperity in this world. It will be at that time that the Antichrist institutes some sort of mar marking system. We talk, think about the uh, 666. We think about a number of some type. But uh, what we see here is it will be a marking system of some type that must be possessed for a person to buy or sell. But again, we, we, we see here that it will very much be an act of worship. You'll know that you've done it. It won't be by accident. And before this prophecy can be fulfilled, the temple must first be constructed in Jerusalem. Now, for years, that seemed impossible, didn't it? But here in the, in, in the recent past, uh, with the uh, institution of the nation of Israel coming back together, and, and things that are taking place today there in Jerusalem, it seems that it could happen any day. But also we see in verses 16 through 29, they are terrifying days. These verses bring us to the second three-and-a-half-year period of time of the tribulation. They will be days of such horrible nature that they are almost unbelievable, but we see that these are just, they're, they're as true as any other words spoken in the Bible, that this will come to pass. So give me just a moment to take some time to investigate the truth behind these awful days. They'll be, be days of intense persecution. We see in verses 16 through 20 that Jesus reveals to the Jews that when they see the Antichrist claiming to be God, they are to flee it seems that this will usher in a period of persecution against the nation of Israel like nothing we've ever seen before. And that's hard to believe after what we saw during World War II, but it'll be even worse. In fact, it will be the goal of this madman from hell to totally destroy the people of God from off of the earth. The woman that's spoken of there in Revelation chapter 12, in that passage, it's speaking of Israel. The dragon is speaking of the devil. He has tried for centuries to destroy the Jewish people, and he has failed. But this will be his last-ditch effort. And, of course, the 144,000 Jewish preachers will be unable to die. And sadly, the same can't be said for the rest of humanity who will fall under Antichrist's murderous gaze. 
Jews will find themselves traveling one of three possible roads during that period of time. We know that many of the Israelites will die. Some will follow Antichrist, but a remnant, a remnant will be saved. But also we see in verse 21, these will be days of intense pain. In this one verse, in, in, chapter, 20, in uh, chapter 24, verse 21, it shows us the Lord Jesus summarizes one of the most horrific times in human experience with this one verse. I'd like to spend just a few minutes looking at the details of that, what that will be like. Just a small glimpse, I believe, gives us some indication of how terrible it will be. We see the trumpets being spoken of here. Trumpets, judgments, and bowl judgments. And we start with the trumpet judgments. The trumpet judgments, the first, and we'll begin in Revelation chapter 8, and there in verse 7, we see the first trumpet where one-third of the green vegetation on the face of the earth is destroyed. And again, that'll impact even the oxygen levels in the world. The second trumpet is seen there in, in Revelation 8, 8 through 9, where one-third of the oceans become blood and a third of the life in the oceans is destroyed. A third of the world's shipping is destroyed. And again, imagine the impact that's going to have on food supplies. We've seen that just with COVID. We've seen the disruption in, in, in the chain of distribution of food. How much worse will it be here? No doubt this will bring about even more death and starvation. We see the th third trumpet in Revelation 8, 10 through 11. Perhaps this refers to a meteor, but something falls into the water supply, polluting one-third of the fresh water, poisoning the water. Many more people will, will perish because of this plague. The fourth trumpet in Revelation 8, 12, something takes place in the heavens, and the sun is diminished by one-third. Also, one-third of the light of the other heavenly bodies, we're told, is blotted out. Before the fifth trumpet sounds, we're told that an angel flies in heaven, pronouncing three woes upon the earth. The reason for that is things are about to take an even worse turn. You think, how could that be? But they do. Because with the fifth trumpet, we move to Revelation 9. And in verses 1 through 12, we see the earth is invaded by an army of demons straight out of the pit of hell. The demons have the power to torment men for five months. They won't kill men, but the pain will be so intense that men will desire to die, but they will be unable to. We see here that hell is literally unleashed on this earth. And then they see the sixth trumpet in verses 13 through 21, where a demonic invasion of the army that numbers 200 million is unleashed. The result of that invasion will be another third of humanity destroyed. At this point, we've seen at least a half of the population of the earth killed. But what is the reaction of humanity? Revelation 9, 20, and 21, they remain unrepentant and unfazed. Notice that before these six judgments are poured out on the earth, there is a time of, of silence in heaven in Revelation 8, 1. It appears that what is about to happen is so severe that it calls for a time of silence. It calls for a time of mourning. All of God's judgments all of them are performed out of his holiness, not out of a desire to make men suffer. God does not enjoy punishing the wicked, but his righteousness demands it. We see the seventh trumpet in Revelation 11, 15 through 19. This trumpet announces the soon return of the Lord Jesus, and it also introduces the seven bowl judgments. So we move to the seven bowl judgments. And the first bowl is seen there in Revelation 16, 2. In, in 16, 2, we see some kind of cancerous sores 
are poured out on mankind. The second bowl in verse 3, the waters of the sea are turned to blood. Every creature in the sea dies. In the third bowl, verses 4 through 7, the fresh waters of the earth are turned to blood. We see the fourth bowl in verses 8 and 9. The sun's heat is intensified and men's bodies are burned by that heat of the sun. And yet the torment, it continues and they refuse to repent. We see here that the fifth bowl, the plague brings darkness and intense pain to the inhabitants of the earth. And again, so intense that they gnaw their tongues and their pain, and yet they still refuse to repent. The sixth bowl, in verses 12 through 14, the Euphrates River is dried up, and the reason for that is to prepare a, a pathway for the nations of the earth to descend upon Israel for the final conflict. And then the seventh bowl, in verses 17 through 21, this bowl brings with it the terrible tragedy upon the earth. There is an earthquake of such magnitude that the islands of the earth sink, the mountains fall. On, on top of all that, the major cities are destroyed, and meteors, uh, 125 pounds in size, begin to fall, fall from the heavens. Unimaginable destruction. Again, it's just a portion of the events that will take place during the tribulation, but it will be a time of unspeakable horrors and trials. However, no one in this room should have to worry because if you have a relationship with Christ, you won't be here. But if you're not saved, I challenge you to come to Jesus. I, ch I challenge you to be saved today. But also we see it will be days of intense personalities. We see in Matthew 24, 23, and 28, during the tribulation there will be many personalities involved in the devil's work. It will be a time of great deception, and surely some of those folks will experience this great pain. However, no false Christ can offer humanity salvation. All that is promised, all that is offered is a lie from the Antichrist, from the false prophet, because the only one who can save is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. He is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. No one comes to the Father except through him but also days of intense presentations look at verse 29 these events have already been touched on previously but suffice here to say there will come a day when the moon will be turned to blood sun will be darkened stars will fall from their place there will be signs in heaven that will surround the coming of jesus but they are also temporary days we see them there in verse 22 the bible tells us that even amid the wrath God remembers mercy, and he will accomplish his purpose, but he will preserve the remnant because he loves them, and he loves them to the end. And even while the judgment of the world is here, he still deals with his people, Israel, in love. But then look with me at verses 30 through 31. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with great sound of trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of the earth to the other. We see thirdly and lastly how tribulation concludes. We see the triumphant Savior appearing in verse 30. Verse 30 tells us that Jesus will return in great power and glory at the end of that tribulation period of time. When he returns, he will destroy the Antichrist, and all of those who have followed him. Jesus will rule the, the world in an instant in time. But also we see there in verse 30, the terrified sinner's anguish 
Because when the world experiences the return of Christ in glory, they will react in terror. They have gathered their armies together in Jerusalem to fight what is known as the Battle of Armageddon. It is at that battle that we see that says the blood will run to the horses' bridles. However, the armies of the Antichrist and all the other armies of this world will be destroyed by simply the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not going to have to lift a finger. He's simply going to open his mouth. Now it is too late for them to bow. The time has come for them to reap what they have sown. They will be judged and they will be destroyed with the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Antichrist and the false prophet we see will be cast alive in the lake of fire and all the followers will be destroyed in an instant in time. Jesus will return, not this time as the meek lamb, but as the lion of the tribe of Judah. But then we also see in verse 31, the tribulation saints assembling. Because after Jesus has returned and he's defeated the armies of the enemy, he will gather those people who have believed the preaching of the two witnesses and of the 144,000 Jewish preachers, and they will be gathered and they will enter into the millennium together. My friends, we've moved very quickly again this morning. We took quite a bit of time last year, so I didn't want to spend multiple sermons on this. But suffice to say, this is going to be a terrible time that I wouldn't want my worst enemy to live through. The agonies that will go on during the tribulation period. I praise the Lord that the people of God need not fear this age. Because we won't have to be here. He is going to rapture his church. But the question comes and must be answered. Are you ready this morning for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you saved? Are you sure that you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Because if you're not, if you've been putting it off, if you've been making excuses, you can know today that you're saved by simply repenting of your sin and placing your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation. You can be sure today. You don't have to put it off another day. You don't have to fear death. You don't have to, to fear these awful days. You can know that you're secure in the arms of Jesus. But if you are saved, who is your one? Who's the one who doesn't yet have a relationship with Christ that you need to be praying for? Who is your one that you need to be talking to? Who's your one that you need to be investing in? There's a lot of things in this life that we pay attention to and put way too much stock in. The one thing that matters is a relationship with Jesus. The one thing that you can take with you out of this life will be those that you've shared the gospel with. They'll follow you to heaven. Nothing else. Not your money, not your hobbies, not your career. The souls of men is all that matters. Are you saved today? What about the lives of those that you love? Do they have a relationship with Christ? And what are you doing about it? Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, I thank you for Matthew chapter 24. I thank you for Jesus' warning of what those days will be. Lord, I thank you for the promise that you've given to your church that we, uh, we're going to be raptured out of that time and I'm thankful for the fact that we won't have to live through such a terrible experience 
but Lord, not all those here today are saved. And because they are not saved, they are not truly a part of your church. Simply sitting in these pews inside the four walls of this building doesn't make you part of the church. Only a relationship with our Lord. And so, Lord, I pray today that you're going to stir hearts. Lord, I don't know how to make it any clearer to some who sit here week after week and they put off salvation that they're testing your patience. And so, Lord, I pray that today they wouldn't test your patience any longer. But today would be the day that they would surrender their pride or their fear or whatever else it is holding them back. And they would say yes to you today. Not out of fear, but out of a desire to know you as Savior and Lord. Lord, I know there are many of us who our hearts are stirred because we have lost loved ones. I pray that from this morning we would leave this place desiring to go and have a gospel conversation with someone that you've called us to. Lord, let me get out of the way here. I pray your spirit would move. Do what only you can do in the midst. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.